Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the living room, and welcome to part one of a new series we're kicking off tonight that I'm so excited about called No Money, Mo Problems, the cry of a college student's life, No Money, Mo Problems, where you guessed it, we're going to be talking about money. We're going to be talking about the money you do have, the money you don't have, the money you wish you had, or the money that you hope to have one day. And maybe you're thinking, okay, college student, like, we don't, we don't have a lot of money. I certainly don't have a lot of money. I still got my dad's credit card. What's up? Like, you know, I don't, what is there to really talk about? Um, there's actually a lot to talk about when you're a college student. And so you might wonder, okay, why is it that we're talking about this series? Why is it that we're talking about money? Why is this such a big deal? Why is Sam so excited about this series? Well, it all started last semester. I was in a conversation with one of you. I'm not going to say her name, but I saw you. I know you're here today. And uh, we were in the rotunda. And we were talking, that's that, a fancy word for that round lobby area over there. And we were talking and she had told me how she just bought her passion ticket for passion conference, that big thing that happens in Atlanta every year. And, uh, and she said, Samer, I, um, I just bought my passion ticket and it, and it made me, my bank account go negative. And she opened up her Wells Fargo app and it said negative six. And I said, girl, this is not okay. I was like, this is real. Like, this is not monopoly. Like, you can't. You can't, she's like, well, what happens? I was like, you can't do this. You have negative, like, this is really bad. And so she's like, I didn't know it was gonna happen. I was like, well, you should have found out, you know, so, and I love you. And for, so for the next 45 minutes, me and her and the eight or nine other students of you, we just sat around there and we just talked about money and budgeting and finances and credit and what is an interest rate and what is a credit score and what is a mortgage and all of this stuff about money. And I left that night thinking, oh my gosh, we have got to talk about money. I left that night thinking, we have got to talk to our students, we've got to talk to our people, we've got to talk to our family about money, we've got to talk about the area of personal finance, and we've got to teach them things about the area of personal finance that college is never going to teach you. And so that's why we're doing this series. Now, I know it's like, okay, I know the struggle is real, okay? Like, a lot of you don't have a lot of money, and that is the life of a college student. I get it. But this series is not about how much money you have or don't have, okay? Um, like, I understand that for some of you, like, man, I don't have dinner money for dinner tomorrow night because my roommate still hasn't Venmoed me from this past weekend, okay? Like, like, I get it. Or like, you did the timing wrong, and you're still waiting on that three-day transfer to your bank, you know? Like, I understand. That's real. It's funny. I was thinking about this growing up. It was awesome to find, like, five dollars in your pocket before doing the laundry. Now it's, like, awesome to open up Venmo and find thirty dollars you haven't cashed out, <laughs> you know? That's just like, oh, man, I know that was there. That's awesome. So I get it, but this series isn't about how much money you have or don't have. Like, it's kind of neutral to, to whether or not you're making money, still living off your parents. I get it because you're in college. That was me. Like, that, that is not, that does not matter for this conversation. And what I'm not going to do at the end of this conversation is tell you that you need to give money to Woodstock City Church. That's not what's happening here either. No, this series is about helping you set the right financial foundation. It's going to help you set the right financial foundation that will set you up for the future that you really want, and it will set you up for the future that God wants for you. Did you know that God cares passionately about your finances? In fact, um, you're building a financial future right now because you are building financial habits right now. And the financial habits that you are building right now are financial habits that you're going to take into your future. That the things that you're doing now, whether it's your money, your parents' money, or the very little money that you have, those habits, they're going to find their way into your future. That the greatest mistake so many people make is that college students don't have a lot of money, so there's not really anything to talk about in the area of personal finance. That could not be more wrong. In fact, it's the absolute best time to talk about the area of personal 
finance. All right, we say this all the time, that college is like the launching pad into the rest of your life. And you are about to get launched into the rest of your life sooner rather than later. And so there's no better time to lay a right foundation. And, 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 and you're not going to magically just get better at handling money when you make more of it, right? Like, it's not just going to magically get better, like, oh, once I get a salary, then I'll be better. No, 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 like, oh, well, once I have more, it'll be easier. No, actually, the more money you get and the more money you make one day, I'm telling you, it's just going to make things more stressful. It's going to make things more complicated, and it's actually going to get harder if that proper foundation in the area of personal finance is not already laid. I mean, think about this. Some of y'all, just calling it like it is, you can't even handle your parents' money really well. What makes you think you're going to handle yours one day? For some of you, you're like, nah, Sam, bro, those broke college students, like, I'm not one of them. Like, I'm a shift manager at Starbucks. I kill it. I kill it. Some of you are like, no, no, Chick-fil-A, like, bro, I'm a manager at Chick-fil-A. What's up? I got cash, homie. Like, you're like, I, like, you're like I'm good, man. I got, I, got, I got money. I got money. You got money. I got money, you know? Okay. Is anyone speaking into your life? In all the years of wisdom that you have, is there anybody speaking into your life about what you should be doing with all that money that you're making? I hope so, but maybe not. We want to be that voice. Some of y'all, you're so smart. Like you'll ace OCHEM, you're going to crush calculus, and you have no idea in the area of personal finance. And that's okay. That's not a shot. This is why we want to do this series. We want to get really, really practical, and we want to talk about things like giving, and we want to talk about things like tithing, yes, but even more than that, we want to talk about things like budgeting, and we want to talk about things like saving and investing. We want to get really practical into the area of personal finance. We want you to get out of college unscathed and have a proper foundation. We don't want you to incur unnecessary debt. I don't want you getting out of college with seven credit cards just because you got a free blanket every time you signed up for one. That's why next week, part two of the series, we're going to be doing a Q&A, and I can't wait for next week. I'm going to have one of my buddies up here. Um, his name is Harrison. I can't wait to introduce him to you. We're going to be answering your questions that you've been submitting to us via Instagram about the questions you've had about money. So next week, we're going to be doing that. In fact, after tonight, you're going to get a chance to ask us more questions because we want to answer your questions. So we're going to get really, really practical because it's really, really important. But here is where I want to start tonight is you cannot separate finance and faith if you're a Jesus follower. That if you claim to be a Jesus follower, you cannot separate your faith from your finances. That if you are a Jesus follower, how you handle your finances goes way beyond just best practices on how to budget well. And so, yes, we're going to get into the really, really practical tomorrow or next week, and I can't wait for that. And it's going to be really, really helpful and, I think, life-changing. But tonight, I want to start by laying a foundation for the spiritual side of this conversation. Because you can't separate faith from finances when you are a Jesus follower. And it can be a challenging conversation, but it's one that you cannot ignore. It's one you cannot put to the side. So while we are going to get practical and I want you to get better at all that stuff, if I were to say kind of like my main goal for the next two weeks is this. Are you ready? I want you to have the right relationship with money. I want you, I want you to have the right relationship with your money and your stuff. Whether you have it or not, I want you to have the right relationship with it. In other words, I want to make sure that money and your stuff has the proper place in your life. That whether you have enough money on your own, whether you make your own money, whether or not you're still using mom or dad's credit card, you, no matter where you are on that spectrum, you have a relationship with money. 
You've got a relationship with your stuff. Every single one of us, you have a relationship with your money. And for some of you, that relationship looks like an exclusive relationship. And by that, I mean the way that you view your money is that it's all yours. Like, it's all mine. Like, all the money that I make, it's all mine. All the money that I ever will make after college, it's all mine for my consumption because your boy's trying to live a certain lifestyle, so it's all about me. That for some of you, that's the relationship that you have with your money. It's an exclusive, all mine, all that I can get, it's all for me. Uh, for some of you, when you think about money and even your stuff, you've got a relationship with money, it's kind of like a handyman relationship. Like it's a solution to all the problems that you think that you have. Like, and I get this, I was there. For some of you, it's like, man, I got so many issues, man, but when I start making more money, I don't have any more of these issues. That for you, when you think about your money and when you think about that salary that you might get whenever you get out of college, that it's just gonna fix all your problems, that it's just gonna be a solution to all the stressors in your life, that all you need to do is just get a little bit more money and everything else is just gonna be okay. That you were thinking, you know, when Biggie wrote that original song, More Money, More Problems, like, no, nah, man, you got it wrong. I'll take those problems. More money, no problems. Like, that's what I want. It's a solution to everything. That's the relationship that you have with your money. That for some of you, the relationship with you have, what you have with your money is like that girl that keeps getting away or that guy that keeps getting away. And so you're just going to pursue and pursue. You're just going to keep going until they notice you. That for some of you, your money or, or money or the, the pursuit of it is the main thing in your life. I've talked to college students all the time. Hey, man, like, what, what's your goal? What do you want to do after college? Man, I want to make as much money as possible. Oh, uh, okay, don't forget me when you do, right? Like, like th that's like the goal. Like, I just, I want to get a job that's going to make the most money as possible. And I get it, man, I get it. I remember, especially when I was in my third and fourth year looking to graduate, everyone's talking about what the starting salaries are for different jobs and what the starting salaries are for different industry positions. And I get that. Everybody wants the highest salary. Man, I hope you have the highest salary possible when you start your new job one day. I hope you make more money than I do. I really hope that you do. But it is so, so easy. It is so, so easy, especially in the collegiate environment that so many of you are in, is that the goal becomes, okay, I got to get the most money that I can. I got to make as much money as possible. And there's nothing wrong with making as much money as possible until it becomes the main goal of your life. Until it comes the chief in for which you exist. No, no, I'm just here to try to make as much money as possible. That for some of you, that's a relationship that you have with money. For some of you, ready for this? The relationship that you have with money and your stuff is it's like your trophy boyfriend or your trophy girlfriend. It's the thing that gives you validation. That for some of you, the relationship that you have with your money or the relationship, watch this, that you will have with your money is that it will be the gateway to power It'll be the thing that makes you feel important, filling up your bank account, being able to use whatever credit card you can because annual fees don't matter. What's up? I make money. Being able to buy whatever you want, being able to buy her whatever she wants, being able to buy him whatever he wants, buy yourself whatever you want. That for some of you, it's the thing that's going to give you validation, or so you think. And then maybe the relationship you have with money it's that thing that makes you feel good. Like you love having them around, you love having her around because it makes you feel secure. That for some of you, your money, the relationship that you have with it is that it's a security blanket. That, that if you have more, you're going to feel okay. And for some of you, you're thinking, I've got so many things that I'm unsure about in my life and if I could just have money, when I get money, everything is, I'm just gonna be okay, I'm gonna be fine. And so all your trust and all your security for your life and for your future rises and falls on whether or not you've got money. And the crazy thing about these relationships is that 
It doesn't matter whether or not you have money now or not. It can be aspirational, but that relationship might be there. And it is so important. It's so important to identify your relationship with money and your relationship to your stuff. Here's why. Because how you view money now is how you will view money later. It's just true. How you view money now, it's going to be how you view money later. How you view it when you don't have it is the same way that you're going to view it when you do have it. How you view money now will determine how you use money now and or later. And ultimately, ultimately, how you view money will ultimately determine the place that it holds in your life and the amount of your life that your money has a hold of. That what relationship you have with money is so important. In fact, in fact, Jesus made this very, very clear. Like if you're a Jesus follower, you cannot ignore this conversation. You cannot separate faith and finances. That this relationship is so important to identify. This relationship is so important to get right. Did you know, did you know that Jesus talked more about money in the gospels than heaven? Did you know that there are more things that he talks about, he uses money as illustrations and parables than anything else? Why would he do that? Because Jesus knew that you had to get this relationship right. Jesus knew that we had to get this relationship right. And what you are about to see from the very words of Jesus is that how you would define your relationship with your money is the barometer for your spiritual maturity and how fulfilling your life will ultimately be. The stakes could not be higher. So Jesus, in Matthew chapter 6, it's the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, his longest recorded sermon, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He's, he's talking to a whole bunch of people, and he says this about money. There's so many times when Jesus talked about money, so I just picked the one that I felt like worked best for where I wanted to go tonight. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Jesus says this. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Instead, he says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So he's saying, hey, your treasure, right? The thing that your money, your stuff. He says, you and I could spend our lives doing one of two things as it relates to our treasure, as it relates to our money and our stuff. We can either earthly hoard or eternally invest. You can either earthly hoard all the things that you want in life, or you can eternally invest. That the temptation for you and for me is to store up treasures here on earth. I kind of have like a low-key hoarding problem just a little bit. Like, I don't like to throw stuff away. I like to just kind of get some things and keep it. Like my wife, I always wanted a pair of Jordans when I was younger. Never got them. My parents couldn't afford them. And my wife, God, I love her. Um, our first year of marriage, or our first Christmas married together, she got me my first ever pair of Jordans. And I was like, man, I knew I did good. That was five years ago. I haven't thrown the box away. It drives her crazy. She's like, what are you doing with this box? I'm like, babe, this was my first pair of Jordans. She's like, the Jordans aren't in them anymore. I'm like, yeah, but they were, you know? And she's like, what are you gonna do with this box? I'm like, I don't know, but, the, but, but why would I throw this away? Like, I'm gonna show this to my kids. She's like, Samer, you're not showing this to our kids. It drives her crazy. 
I won't throw it away. I can't do it. One day she's going to do it. Like, and it's just, it's got nothing in it. Like, I've got these sentimental types. Like, there's just a bunch of things that I don't want to throw away. I just want to keep it. And Jesus is saying that you and I can spend our lives that way. That we can spend our energy that way. We can spend our money that way. That we can spend our lives for ourselves. We can spend our lives trying to accumulate as much money as we can. We can spend our lives in the pursuit of stuff, in the pursuit of things, in the pursuit of as much money as we possibly can get. We can spend our lives filling up our bank accounts and our investment portfolios with as much money as possible. We can live to gain as much as we possibly can for ourselves. We can do that. We can store up treasures here on earth. But here's the problem, and I love the logic of Jesus. He was so logical. Here's the problem, he said. Eventually, all that you accumulate will be gone. Everything, everything you accumulate, everything that you've earned, everything you got, it will eventually be gone because either it will leave you or you will leave it when you die. Pretty logical. Either it will leave you, it'll get destroyed, it'll get outdated, it'll break, it won't work anymore, somebody will steal it, or you will leave it when you die. And Jesus, when he busted onto the scene in the first century, Jesus came to introduce a brand new kingdom. That Jesus came and he was introducing a brand new kingdom and a brand new way of living. And in this kingdom that Jesus came to establish, what he told his followers and what he expected of his followers was that you did not live your life just for yourself. That you did not live your life just to build up your own kingdom. No, no, Jesus came to build a brand new kingdom where followers put others first. Where followers said, your kingdom before my small little kingdom. And storing up treasures here on earth is a way to build up our kingdom, but Jesus is saying it is all for nothing. Instead, he said, we could store up treasures in heaven where nothing can destroy and no one can steal. We could invest eternally. What does treasures in heaven mean? No idea. I don't know. I don't know. Anybody that tells you, they're guessing. I have no idea what treasures in heaven mean. I have no idea. But you know what I do know? If I really believe what I believe about Jesus, I'm gonna bank on anything he wants to treasure and give me in heaven than anything I could buy here on earth. If I really believe Jesus is who he says he is, like I'm, I, I'm just gonna trust, hey, whatever you got, I don't know, a house, does that work up there in heaven? I don't know. House on the cul-de-sac, you know, the Jordans that I always wanted without the box. I, like, I don't know what a treasure in heaven is, but if I really believe what I believe about Jesus, I'm gonna trust that whatever it is has got to be infinitely greater than anything I could ever buy myself here on earth. And so for Jesus, he told you and he told me, so I want you to invest eternally. Not knowing exactly what, but I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna trust you with that. But what does it look like to invest eternally? Is there like a, a secret ATM here, you know, at the church that's like up to heaven? You know, like how does that, what does that mean? Here's what this means, you ready? Here's what it means to invest eternally, to store up treasure in heaven. How do we do that? This is how you do it, you ready? Watch this. You use your money, your things. You use a portion of your money, a percentage of your money. And we'll get to the details in just a second, don't let that hang you up. A percentage of money. You use a percentage of your money 
to build up the kingdom of God. That you would use up a portion, a percentage of your money, a percentage of how God has blessed you, that you would use your things and I would use my things to build up and to advance the kingdom of God. That to store up treasures in heaven would be that the money that I earn and the things that I could accumulate would not become the meaning of my life, but rather I would find meaning in life by using those things to build up and advance the kingdom of God. That storing up treasures in heaven wouldn't be that I would seek to build up my small kingdom, but I would use my money. I would use a percentage of my money. I would give a percentage of what God has given me as a tool, as a tool to advance and to build up the kingdom of God. And Jesus would say that there is far more fulfillment in that way of living than hoarding up things here on earth that you will never be able to take with you and will never satisfy anything in you. See, Jesus, and this is, this is so big because if you're a Jesus follower, this is a non-negotiable. Like if you're not a Jesus follower, you're looking at Jesus and saying, dang, that sucks. Um, but if you are a Jesus follower, this is not a suggestion. This is not a, hey, like if you're, I don't know, if you're, I've been to church a couple of times. You feel like, like no big, no stress. It's, it's all good. But if you feel like it, that would be really great. No, no, this is, this is a command from Jesus who we claim is Lord over our lives. And what Jesus does here in this moment, watch this. This is, this is so cool. You can't miss this. He's not in this moment saying this to these people and saying it to you. And he's not, he doesn't have like an offering plate saying, okay, so hey, put it in there. What you got? Come on, I know, it's okay if it's daddy's credit card. We can, I got a, I got a square out, but what you got? Like, he's not now in this moment asking you or me for money. In fact, Jesus doesn't ever really ask for money. There's this one moment where he's given this illustration about Caesar and he asked for this coin, but he probably gave the coin back. Like, he's not asking for money. In fact, he never does in the New Testament as far as we know. In this moment, he's not asking for money. He's asking for something way bigger He's asking for something way greater. On Jesus' mind is something bigger than just your dollars and cents. No, no, Jesus has something far greater in mind here in this moment. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There your heart will will be also. Jesus knows that when you seek to store up treasures here on earth, that's where your heart will be. But if you store up treasures in heaven, your heart will be there. Your heart will be under different ownership. Jesus concludes to you and to me, and the heart, the heart being the culmination of who you are, your intellect, your emotions, your will, your being is the idea here. Then Jesus concludes that what people treasure, what you and I value the most, becomes the guiding principle for our lives. It becomes the north star of our lives. That what you value is what your heart will follow. That what you value is what you will build your life on. That what you value at the center of your life will be the thing you lean into and the thing that you begin to trust with your life. And so what Jesus is saying here is that you and I will give total loyalty to the thing that is of ultimate significance in our lives because where your treasure is is where your heart will also be. And so Jesus here, he isn't asking for your money. He's asking a way bigger question. 
He's asking, what's gonna rule over your life as Lord? Money or me? Your things or me? That this is a conversation about lordship way more than about dollars and cents. He goes on and he says this a few verses later. He says, no one can serve two masters. It's an issue of lordship. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Is it not so fascinating that these are two things he's put together? Like you cannot serve God and the devil? Well, that, 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 that's like, that seems like to make a lot of sense. You cannot serve God and sin? Oh yeah, okay, that makes, no, no, he says money. You cannot serve and I cannot serve both God and money. Here's the question he's asking. Who is Lord? Jesus or money? Jesus or the hope of money? Jesus or the love of money that you hope to have one day? He's saying you can't serve both. Eventually, you'll have to choose one or the other. That's impossible to give total allegiance to one if you're giving some of it to the other. Especially when God and money, especially in this scenario, both demand two totally different things. That money as your master and money as my master will demand self-centered living. But God as our Lord and Jesus as our Lord demands a self-sacrificial type of living that says others, were, others first, following in the very footsteps of Jesus. So God, watch this. He doesn't want to compete with your stuff. He doesn't want to compete with your money. He doesn't want to compete with my money. Like, this is way bigger than your stuff and my money. God, God, God doesn't want your stuff. Like, what's he going to do with your stuff? God can't fit my clothes. Like, you know, like, he doesn't need my car. God doesn't need your money. He's God. Do you know what God is after? Don't miss this. God is after your heart. He doesn't need your stuff. He doesn't want your stuff. He doesn't hate your stuff. No, no, God, God wants your heart. If you're taking notes, write this down. And if you're not taking notes, write this down. This is huge. You ready? God doesn't want to have your money. It's way bigger than that. God doesn't want your money to have you. He doesn't want your money. He'll use it, and we'll talk about that later. But God doesn't want to have your money. That's not the heart of this. No, 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 it's way bigger than that. That God doesn't want your money to have you. He doesn't want the wrong thing to be ruling your heart. So there's this moment in the New Testament. This, this, this man comes running up to Jesus and uh, all we know about him is they call him the rich young ruler. So we know that he's rich, he's young, and he's a ruler of something, okay? Like Justin Bieber. And so he, um, that's all we know about him. We don't have a name, we don't know what he did, but we know that he's rich, young, and he's a Jewish guy. So he comes running up to Jesus. And he says, uh, good teacher, what do I have to do to, etern to inherit eternal life? And Jesus looks at him and he's like, well, you know the commandments. Obey your father and mother, do not commit adultery, yada, yada, yada. And so the guy's like, oh yeah, well, I've kept all those commandments since I was a kid. And so Jesus looks at this rich young ruler and he says, okay, but one thing you lack, he says. 
and he looks at this rich young ruler and he says, I want you to go sell everything you have and then come follow me. And in this moment, in this moment, the rich young ruler, Mark describes to us, his face fell because he had great wealth and he turned around and he walked That he kept all of his stuff, yet he did not walk away fulfilled. He kept all of his stuff, yet he did not walk away happy. He kept all of his stuff, and he walked away sad. And in this moment, a few verses later, he, Jesus takes this moment to teach his disciples, and he says a really, really bold statement in Mark chapter 10. Right after this moment, he says this, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Why would Jesus make such a bold statement? Because Jesus knows how strong the grip money could have on your heart and on mine. Jesus knows the grip that the love of money and the love of stuff, how powerful that grip can have on your heart and on mine. And Jesus doesn't want the wrong thing to be Lord over your life because it will lead you to a place where you will not be fulfilled. You'll be walking away like the rich, young Ruler, well, you'll have everything but feel like you have nothing. This is way bigger than just material things. That Jesus isn't saying you can ever, never have nice things. Jesus isn't saying you can never be rich. No, 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 it's way bigger than that. I heard a pastor the other day on Instagram. I don't even follow him, but it was just like, you might like this. You know how Instagram does that. And he starts telling his congregation about how um, he doesn't love money and to prove it to them, he shows them a couple of pictures. He showed them this picture of this couch that he'd had for 20 years. I was like, bro, that junk look nasty. Like, you should be arrested if you let your kids sit on that couch. Like, it was that gross. And then he goes on to show this van that he's got, and he's like, yeah, look, it's got holes rusted in the metal. And he used that as a way to say, look, I don't love money. And I was like, bro, I ain't getting in that van. If it got holes rusted in the metal, like, that engine is about to explode. Like, that's a bad investment, bro. Like, uh, stop getting oil change on that car. You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember watching this thinking, no, 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 you're getting it wrong. Just because you don't have nice things and you keep a sofa that's probably infected with God knows what, that does not mean that you don't love money. That's not Jesus's point. I'm not about to put my baby in that van. You're crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh-uh, doesn't have airbags, probably. He's totally missing the point. The point isn't about not having nice things. The point is who has your heart. That I know rich people who are so in love with Jesus and they use their wealth and they use their money to build up the kingdom of God. Man, God is looking at those rich people like, yeah, 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 all things are possible with God. That grip of money, although it could be so tight and so strong. And when Jesus gets a hold of your heart, when the right one is sitting as Lord over your life, Jesus says, that's what he wants. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. He doesn't want your stuff. He doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. And do you know why? Watch this. Because God knows that money is a terrible master. Money is a terrible master. That money as the master of your heart and of mine, when we are enslaved to money, it will whisper and yell two things consistently in your life and in mine. And when money is your master, this is what it will yell. 
more, 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 keep, keep, keep. That's what it'll yell. That when money is running the show, when money is ruling over your life and in mine, more, 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 keep, keep, keep. More, more, more. Let me tell you why that's a really, really bad thing. Let me tell you why if money is your master, that's the last thing you need to be living by, more, more, more. Because we learn from the rich young ruler and we learn all the time from people, there is never going to be amount of money that will fulfill you. There won't. There will never be an amount of money where if that is the chief end of your life, where you will get enough and feel fully satisfied. It's just not gonna happen. You guys remember learning about John D. Rockefeller? Remember this? Standard Oil, made so much money. He's considered the richest man in modern history. If you were to take his wealth from back then and bring it into today's dollars with inflation, he would be worth an estimated $686 billion. Yeah, it's right. Let me get a cut of that. You know what I'm saying? Here's some perspective. Jeff Bezos, the CEO of that company that we buy things from, Amazon. He's the richest man in the world. What is he worth, 150, 155, something billion dollars, maybe with fluctuates with the stock market now, it's probably like 140 billion. On a good day, 150 billion dollars. So Jeff Bezos, the richest man times what, four, three and a half, is what John D. Rockefeller was. And there's this moment that John D. Rockefeller is getting interviewed by this biographer who's gonna write a biography of his life, and he gets asked this question. He's made more money than anybody in history and gets asked this question and the, 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 the biographer asks John D. Rockefeller, says, you've amassed all this fortune yet you keep on going. How much more money will be enough? And Mr. Rockefeller looked at her and he said, just a little bit more. Huh? Why? Just a little bit? Oh, why? Because you got 686 billion already? There's never going to be an amount. When it is the chief master in your life, there will never be an amount where it will be enough. And you know what your life will turn into? It won't be a life full of financial freedom because you have so much. It'll be the complete opposite of freedom because you'll be enslaved to something that says get more, 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 more. Your life will be like running in a hamster wheel that never ends, that you think you'll be secure, but it will always be fleeting and it will always be an illusion. Money is a terrible master because it yells more, more, more. But money also yells, keep, keep, keep. And if you're a Jesus follower in the room, let me just tell you for just a second, if you live your life, keep, 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 I don't think Jesus is really Lord over your life. If Jesus isn't Lord over your finances, you gotta really ask the hard question, is he actually Lord over your life? And Jesus already logically, told, and again, this is for the Jesus follower in the room. I don't mind offending you guys, okay? It's Jesus. I didn't, I didn't say it. Jesus did. He already gave us a logical argument that you can amass all this stuff and keep, 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 but you can't take it with you. But do you know what else? I'm about to share something with you that I hope you will never forget. And I hope it will rock your world and your finances one day. I want you to hear me. You ready for this? Do you know why you can't keep, keep, keep if you're a Jesus follower? Because nothing that you ever have is yours. Hey, adults, leaders, love you. I'm talking to you too. Nothing that you will ever have is yours. All the money that you will ever make, it's not yours. It's God's. 
If you really believe that God is creator, if I really believe that God is creator and is the giver of all things, here's the thing. Anything we would ever make in life and anything we could ever get in life is God's. It's his. It's not even yours. He's given it to you, but it doesn't mean that it's yours. It all belongs to God. So who are we to keep, keep, keep? I was talking to my buddy Harrison that's going to be up here next, uh, next week with me. And we were talking about this message, and he, he told me this funny illustration. He's like, this is going to be stupid, but it isn't. It's actually perfect. I want you to imagine that your grandma makes you these unbelievable cookies, and you love grandma's cookies. And she sends them to you via FedEx. So she gets them, and it's like in a Christmas box tin, even though it's springtime. And, and she, she takes it to FedEx, and she says, hey, I want you to send this to so-and-so. Then a week later, she calls you, and, and you're like, did you get the cookies? And, no, Grandma, I didn't get the cookies. Well, why not? I don't know. So she goes to FedEx, and she asks them about the package, and the guy's like, oh, those cookies were good. so good, Grandma. They hit real hard. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Anytime you want to ship some more, bring them by. That would be crazy. Those were not your cookies. Those were given to you to deliver to somebody else. Those were given to you to do something else with. No, no, they were not yours to keep. They were yours to give away. As crazy as that illustration is, the unfortunate reality is that there are too many Christians who claim Jesus is Lord that act just like that FedEx person with the money that God has given them. It's not yours. And what's crazy is God doesn't ask for all of it. You've got to understand this. You've got to understand this. That the money that God gives you, watch this, it's not yours to spend. No, no, no. Money is yours to steward. This is so important. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to do a backflip. I can't even do a backflip. This is, not, this is not yours to spend. This money is yours to steward. Now, within stewardship is spending. Within stewardship is you spending on yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But stewardship comes with a responsibility. Stewardship is I know what this is really about. Stewardship is having the right priorities. Stewardship is having a plan to say, okay, I know not all of this is for me. I'm telling y'all. You want to set your life up for financial freedom. You've got to understand. And if you're a Jesus follower in the room and you call Jesus Lord, this is huge. Your money and my money is not ours just to spend. No, 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 no. It's bigger than that. It's ours to steward. And the relationship that you have with your money is telling of who is actually Lord over your life and whether you will spend your life just keeping it and spending it or stewarding it, building up the kingdom of God that is way bigger than you or me. So here's what I'm gonna do. What do we do with all this? We're gonna talk a lot about that next week, but I wanna give you a really simple framework I want to give you a really, and this is not original with me. I learned this from Andy. In fact, I learned everything from Andy when I was in college. Andy's our senior pastor. And uh, it's this framework. It's this framework. And we're getting into the details next week. But I want to go ahead and give you this practical framework that will help you make sure you have the right relationship with money. In fact, literally, I do this. Me and my wife do this. All of my friends that, 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 that I do life with, that I know kind of about what they do with their giving because of accountability, they do this, Okay. This is huge. I'm not just preaching something that I don't do myself. So this framework that I'm about to share with you, it's so simple, but it's so powerful. And this framework, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it will ensure and it will be guardrails on your life to make sure that the wrong thing doesn't ever become Lord of your heart. And here's the framework. I want you to write this down. Give, save, then live. 
that with every dollar that you make, with every tip that you get, with every direct deposit that you get, for the rest of your life, give, save, live. Give first, save second, and then live on the rest. Give first, save second, and then live on the rest. Now, like percentages, like how much, we'll get into that. Okay, we're gonna get into that next week, but maybe you're not gonna be here. You could, I'm just, you know, I'm just telling you, standard, you could say 10% give, 10 to 15% save, probably 15% save, and then live on the rest 75 or 80%, okay? But, but, but those percentages aren't important right now. Maybe you can give 10%. Maybe, maybe you genuinely aren't making any money, and I'm not telling you to give your parents money, okay? That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that when you need this, when you start making your own money, or if you already are, and don't worry about the particulars of the percentage, we'll get there, but this is the framework that you give second. Like, you know, so what? You give, uh, just kidding, God, joke. Give first, save second, and live on the rest. The world wants to tell you, live first. If you got any leftover, save, and then maybe give, you know? throw a little something in the tip jar at the church. But Jesus came to build a kingdom where he flipped that upside down. And so he said, no, 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 I want you to give, save, live. And the order is important. You know why? Because the order, watch this, the order, the order speaks of lordship. The order says what is of priority in your life, that of every first thing that I get, I'm talking about myself, the very first thing that I do with the money that I get paid is, hey, we're doing giving first. First, no matter what, no matter what. That's what gets budgeted first. Like I'm giving first. I'm gonna save second. I'm gonna be responsible with what God has given me, setting up my future, setting up things for my kids, and then I'm going to live on the rest. The order is so important. In fact, you need to understand this, and maybe this will... Again, so much of this conversation could be for now and for later. But giving, watch this, giving, especially for you adults in the room, giving is not a budgeting issue. Giving is a lordship issue. It's a lordship issue. Because when you give first, and again, percentage of what you can and can't do, that is between you and God. But when you give first, you're saying, okay, God, I trust you. You are Lord, I'm giving you the first flute, so I'm just, I'm gonna give that first. Then I'm gonna be responsible and safe second. Then I'm gonna figure out how to live on the rest. It's a lordship issue. Give, save, live. For me, man, I learned this when I was in college. I'll never forget. Uh, I, at Athens Church, that's where I went to church, and I pledged $1,000 to the church over three years. And I had no idea how I was gonna do it. Why I said a thousand, I don't know. I have no idea. God didn't tell me. Maybe he did and I didn't know it. It just felt like a sacrifice. It just kind of felt like a lot. So I just, I just went with it. And I had no, I was interning at our church. I was not making a lot of money. And I had no idea how I was going to do this. But you know what I, you know what I learned? This live part right here. I learned that there are so many things I think I've got to live on that I actually don't really need. I learned that even as a poor college student, there are things that I think I need to live on that I actually don't need. I started to get creative. A little bit less Starbucks goes a long way. Eating out less goes a long way. And so I started figuring out ways to say no here so I could say yes here. And over three years, 
three and a half, fully transparent. Uh, I did it. And it taught me so much about the importance of give, save, live. I'm telling you, even as a college student, again, I'm not telling you to give your parents money. Do not, I'm not, no, we don't want your parents' money. I mean, I'll take it, but um, no, I'm kidding. Um, that for some of you, that live part, you can say no to more than you think you can. Like if you buy Starbucks more than three times a week, you've got a lot of excess, bruh. I'm serious. Like if you're, if you're buying an outfit every other week just because you see it at Target, you've got excess. That if you order, you get home and you got three packages at Amazon and you only know what is in one of them because you forgot what's in the other two? Uh, you definitely got excess. I can't tell you, I forget what I, it's like Christmas every other day with Amazon Prime. You definitely have excess. Now I know it looks different in college, but I'm telling you, there might be some creative ways that you can begin to learn and leverage this framework to give, save, live. And here's what I can promise you. And here's what Jesus can promise you. And here's what he does promise you. You ready? Write this down. Fulfillment, lasting fulfillment, true fulfillment is found on the other side of giving, not getting or keeping. True fulfillment, true fulfillment is found on the other side of giving, not getting or keeping. Following in the very footsteps of Jesus, who said, I'm gonna give and give and give, not protect my own life. That Jesus came to give you a full life, not a full bank account. And that full life starts with knowing and living out who is actually Lord over your life and saying, okay, God, um, this money that feels like it gives me power, I'm gonna give that for the benefit of others. This money that gives me security, I'm gonna find that security in you. But that fulfillment comes when you and I decide that our kingdom is way too small a thing to live for, so I'm gonna start building up the very kingdom of God with no promise of getting anything in return, because it's not about getting anything back. Don't believe a preacher that says when you give to God, he's gonna give you back times 10. That'd be dope, but it's not true. No, man, it's, there's no promise of return, but I wanna be a part of what God is building and what God is doing. And it's way bigger than your stuff. He doesn't want to have your money. God just doesn't want your money to have you because he knows that money is a terrible master.